Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. I am intentionally encouraged when I see people doing business the right way. And for the last 15 years, Damon Burton and his team at SEO National have done just that. Now you might say, Brian, what can they do for me and my business? I'm going to tell you what they can do for you. They can help you understand search engine optimization. There are a lot of players out there in the marketplace, but you want a team of people that are going to be dedicated to working with you and helping you to understand search engine optimization and how you can show up higher on search engines so that you can bring more revenue into your business. Damon and his team are full of integrity, honesty, decency, and trust. And if that's important to you and that encourages you, I would encourage you to give them a call today at 855-736-6285 or go to seonational.com and get a free quote and tell them you heard about it on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Get ready for a dynamite conversation coming up right now on the Intentional Encourager podcast. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. Part two of this incredible conversation. And I say incredible because if nobody else is enjoying this conversation, I'm having a blast having this conversation with what I feel is, is a hero of mine and encouragement. I've always said this. My dad was the original intentional encourager in my life. Right there with him is my friend, Mark Foster. You can find him on Twitter at WMarkFoster. Find him on Instagram. I'm not even active on Instagram, but this man is, is active on Instagram. But you can find him right here, right now, on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Mark, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good, Brian. Thank you for those kind words. Man, it's great to be with you today. I love you, and I love what you do, and I love the intentionality of your encouragement. Well, and and Mark, I, I, I got to say this. You and I met several years ago, and, and from the first time I met you, what struck me was no one is a stranger to you. And you mentioned your, your sweet wife, Paula, one of the kindest people I have ever met. Uh, she, she is kindness personified, and I loved – hearing about your stories and things like that. I've got to ask you as we dive into to part two of this, when did encouragement for you become such an integral part of your life? Well, I guess maybe it's always been there. I, I was raised, Brian, in, in a very encouraging atmosphere. My mother and dad were very positive people and and they just put it in me. The, the can-do attitude, the never, never quit attitude. And, and then just, uh, I, I, I just enjoy encouraging others. So uh, I don't know where, when it all began. It's just something that, that uh, I love doing, have done. And uh, I guess I've just maybe, maybe gotten stronger with it uh, as, as I've continued to, to live. Now you're, if, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't your father in ministry for many years as well? Yes, he was. My, my dad was a pastor. He was also the founding president of Texas Bible college. 
My goodness. How, let me ask you this. Did you always feel like, and we talked about this in the first part, about how some people feel like that that pastoring and ministry is a vocation rather than a calling. Your dad was a pastor, founded Texas Bible College. You transitioned in, into ministry. You have a brother that is in ministry. Tom Foster is in ministry. Did it always feel like to you that ministry was going to be the path that you took? Or, or did you very early on in your, your life, maybe as a teenager and young adult, did you say, hey, I know I've grown up around it, but I'd like to do something else? Because as you know, and you've been around a lot of folks whose parents were pastors, and they choose to take a completely different path because of what they've seen and experienced in their life being PKs, as we call them, pastor's kids. Yes, and and uh, now I had good experiences. My my parents uh, wanted to make sure that I had good experiences growing up, even being raised in a pastor's home. Uh, and and so there, you know, there's bad that goes along with that. But they made sure that things were good uh, for us, uh, even through the sacrifices and and other things that we won't even get into. However, I did not want to be a pastor. I did not want to be a preacher. I. Uh, I, I made up my mind that I would not be, uh, and so I was headed uh, to school to, I wanted to become, my dream was to become a, uh, a horse rancher, and so I, I, I knew that I needed money to do that, and I didn't have it, Brian, so I was going into veterinary medicine, and I, my, my dream was to be a big animal vet, a horse and cattle vet. And, uh, and, and maybe, uh, you know, be a vet for some of the, the big ranches. And then maybe I can start my own. Because here, it's funny you mentioned that, being, being a horse rancher and things like that. Because, you know, a lot of those large ranches in Texas where you live now and in, in other parts of the country, we're not fortunate with with those things in, in West Virginia. The terrain just doesn't yield to it very well. But it almost feels like that that ranchers have to care for their own animals in in many ways and things like that. What was it that drew you to ranching and wanting to do that for a living? Well, I was I was raised. My dad put us on a horse uh, when we were knee high to tadpoles. And uh, so I, I, I let me translate that for the audience when they were very young children. <laughs> That's, it. That's it. Since old ship was a pup. <laughs> well, we were talking, we were talking before we started recording and I was telling him about wanting to start the Methuselah ministry in my church. And, and again, let me translate. That was a long time ago when, when, what, when Shep was a tadpole, is that what you said? Shep was a pup. Shep was a <laughs> Pup. Well, listen, when you turn, I, I just turned 50. So the hearing is, you know, it's not what it, what it used to be and things like that. But well, just being raised the way I was raised, uh, I had a love for horses. I had a love for cattle. Uh, I wasn't raised on a ranch, but it was just a, a dream of mine. Uh, and that's, that's what I, that's what I wanted to do. That's what I wanted to be uh, as a, as, in, in high school, I, I went around to several different ranches and horse places and cattle places, 
seeking a job, did not get one. So I went to uh, Hendrix Grain Company in Houston and uh, it's still there. I just, I found it here a couple of months ago, still mm -hmm. there in the same location, but I went in and decided I would, I would help sell horse and mule feed if I couldn't do anything else. And so I went in on Monday, Mr. Hendricks told me he didn't have any jobs. And so after school on Tuesday, I went back after school on Wednesday, I went back after school on Thursday, I went back. He'd look up every day and said, you're back. I said, Mr. Hendricks, I need a job. I want to work for you, sir. Finally on Friday, he said, I believe you do want to work for me. He said, you be here Monday and uh, you've got a job. And so I, I loaded and unloaded, uh, uh, well, we just basically unloaded boxcars full of uh, feed. And then we sold feed and loaded trucks and so forth. And then- as, So you as, were persistent, forgive me for interrupting, you were just quite persistent. Did you just know that you wanted a job working around cattle and doing that stuff? Or was it something particular about this particular company that really piqued your interest? Were you just trying to get your foot in the door or did you want to work at that particular place? Well, I felt like that may help me get in the, my foot in the door somewhere, but I knew that I, I, I wanted to do this kind of work and it, it, it paid off because as a 16 year old boy, I pulled a four horse trailer all over Houston hauling Mr. Hendricks horses and he even sent me out to his place to train his horses. I didn't know anything about training horses, but I acted like I did. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. Prices are going up by the day. We've got to find ways to increase our household revenue. Now, a couple ways you could do that is, one, you could go and ask your boss for a raise. But if that doesn't work, I've got another way for you. It's my friend Joe Hart's program called Products for Profit. Joe's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourage podcast and told his story about how learning retail arbitrage changed his life, and he's been helping thousands of people change theirs. Now, retail arbitrage is simply this. It's taking a product and buying it and then reselling it online for a higher price, and you keep the profits. And guess what? Amazon and Walmart use third-party resellers every day to fulfill their customer orders. I want you to go to productsforprofit.com or productsforprofit.card.co. Get connected to Joe's team. Tell them you heard about it on the Intentional Encourager podcast and start making money today with Products for Profit. And now let's get back to more great conversation on the Intentional Encourager podcast. And I didn't have the internet to help me back then, but I even, uh, you got, I wait a minute. You didn't have internet. I thought my generation was the only <laughs> one that didn't have, I grew up in the 1980s as a teenager. I thought my generation was the only one that, that didn't have the internet, but what was it like for you having that level of responsibility? Because this man owned a large grain and feed store. Horses were not only his life, but his livelihood. Right. And here he has you as a 16 year old boy working for him and, and that responsibility. How can you draw some parallels between what you wanted to do for a living and what you ultimately ended up doing as a, as a calling and a vocation? What, what parallels could you, can you draw from ranching and pastoring because I, I know well, there has to be some parallels there. In your well, there's several parallels. Now, I never got into ranching. 
you know, I never, never did go there, but I did help train uh, a couple of his horses and, uh, and I was winging it. I didn't really know what I was doing. Went to, uh, pulled them and, and show and went to horse shows, uh, and, you know, did what I could there for him. Uh, but I really enjoyed that. Well, the thing about it in ministry, you got to take care of people. I was taking care of animals in ministry. You got to care. You got to care about people. You got to take care of people. And then you got to do training. People need training. They need coaching. Uh, that's the big word today. And uh, it's, in, it's important that we have coaches in our life and that we are willing to take uh, coaching. So I really enjoyed doing that. Uh, also, uh, I, I, I enjoyed the grunt work, loading and, uh, or unloading those boxcars, loading the trucks. And you got to be persistent in ministry, in life, in any job you've got, you got to be persistent. And I had that persistence, just like the drive to go five days in a row to get that job here, no four times and hear yes the next time. See, I would say a lot of people would have said, man, you'd have made a whale of a sales guy. If you'd have just, you know, if you didn't want to be a rancher, you could have been a, <laughs> a whale of a sales guy. Mark, when did, when did that transition in your mind begin to change and that shift begin to change because it would be hard for people and, and I know people that that have had a calling on their life I, I was one that from a young man people would tell me you've got a calling on your life you've got um you know from a very early age I've known that I've had a calling on my life but yet for much of my life, I kind of wanted to push that aside and not really pursue it. For you, when did that transition begin to happen where where ranching was not ultimately going to be the future you thought you would have, and instead ministry and pastoring was going to be your future calling on your life? Well, when I was 15 years old, Brian, uh, at a youth camp, at a Texas youth camp in the summertime, uh, there, there, there was a very moving service, at least moving from me, uh, really gripped me. And I really felt the call of God on my life to preach at that time. So I went down to the altar. It was a sawdust floor, old style camp meeting there, but it was a youth camp actually. And I prayed, I prayed right through lunch and, and, and uh, ball time was coming and I was, I, I love playing ball, but I, I, I knew God had a hold of me. Uh, but then I pushed that to this back burner and I went ahead with this other dream. And so when I graduated high school, uh, I met Paula. She had, had, had come to Houston to see her sister. And uh, that's when Paula and I met. And she had moved uh, in with her sister, come to live there with her sister. So we were dating and she ruined the date one night, totally ruined the date. We had been to Tell Wink Grill in Houston with some other kids and we left and we're in the car and out of the clear blue, she said, Mark, she said, God's called you to preach, hasn't he? And, and it blew my mind. And then she said, hey, I'm sorry. I don't know where that came from. Said that just came out. And, uh, and, and I said, how did you know? And she said, I, I don't know. It just came out. And I took her straight home. I took her home and delivered her. And then I went to the Bible college campus because I knew the prayer room was open. And I went in there and prayed. And I stayed in there 
until I knew for sure that I had a call to preach on my life. And so that's when everything shifted. And I then, I was already enrolled in college, but I then enrolled in Bible college at that time. My goodness. Those are moments in, in life where people would say, well, it was an epiphany or it was, you know, the sun, moon, and stars aligned. You, you, you know all the, the terminology like I know the terminology. But until you've had that moment in your life where you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it's not your desire that's kicking in right now, you know, people would say, well, Mark, weren't you sad you had to give up that dream? I didn't see a bit of sadness as you were telling me that story. You know what I saw in your face? And if you're watching this on, on YouTube, you might have saw the same thing I did. You saw wonderment. You saw joy. You saw this was a moment in my life I'll never forget. That was a moment in time that I'll never forget. And I'm, I'll be grateful for it for the rest. I saw gratitude. I saw a lot of different things. When you surrendered to call the call to preach, not only did that dream change, but what else changed inside of you? Because that's not something you just go, okay, I'm just going to punt everything to use the sports. I'm just going to punt everything that I've been working for. I'm going to drop out of this college. I'm going to enroll in Bible college. And, and like, okay, it's just what I'm supposed to do. For a lot of people, they would go, how in the world did you just change your life overnight like that? Well, I'll tell you, Brian, I was so sure that God had called me to preach, that I argued with my dad and, and, and I actually defied my dad. My dad did everything in his power, although he was at the time the president of that college. He did everything in his power to talk me into secular college. And finally, when he realized that I would not be swayed, uh, he finally said, well, Mark, do one thing for me. He said, go to one year of secular college. And then consider Bible college, but go your first year to secular college. And I, re I, I simply refused. I knew that, that God had spoken to me. And so that changed the game for me. I How knew hard it was, was that easy. for you? I, forgive me for interrupting. How hard was that for you? Because, you know, growing up in the house that I grew up in, mm -hmm. my dad would have said, uh, do I have to say this again? Do I have to, you know, and my dad, my dad was a great man of faith, but my dad was also one. He was very, very stern with me. And I was the only boy out of, out of three. And, and, you know, my dad could look at me the wrong way and I would, I would be on the floor repenting, you know, because I didn't want to face the wrath, but your dad being a, a preacher and a pastor, did you ever get to the root of why he wanted you to go? to a secular college for a year? Was it to develop your study habits? What did he ever, did he ever tell you why that he was so adamant about that? Well, the only thing he told me was he said, Mark, if I could have talked you out of it, I would have known you were not called. 
Uh, and and it was it took courage for me to argue with him and to withstand him because uh, my dad was he was a great dad. I had a great upbringing. At the same time, I was scared to death to do something my dad didn't want me to do because my dad was an was an avid disciplinarian as well. And so I just stood strong, stood my ground, and uh, so then. The game changed. Well, you grow up in a house like that. You probably figured the Lord had revealed any indiscretions to him long before you could have gotten home to to, for, to face the well, music. And, that's the truth. <laughs> and, and, and then I, I hid some things from him that he never knew. Well, you know, yeah. <laughs> And but I will talk about them tonight. No, 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 no. But here's the thing. What I say is that I say that jokingly because, you know, it, it, it's funny. A lot of preachers' kids will say. Well, I don't know how my dad found out about it. It must have been the Lord that revealed that to him because Absolutely. I was trying everything that I could to well, hide it. Those times too. Yeah. Let's talk about your early ministry. You mentioned in the first part of our podcast that you pastored a church. You're going to pastor in Winston-Salem. Was that your first full-time pastorate or, or how did... How did you transition into that into, into Bible college? Because knowing what I know, you, you you go to Bible college, and then you know some will evangelize, some will you know they'll go maybe go back to their home church and maybe become assistant pastor or something like that. What was the transition like for you after you finished Bible college? What was that like for you and Paula uh, in that time of your life? Well, the transition for me was my dad went to West Monroe, Louisiana and became the pastor of a wonderful church there. I left Bible college, preached a couple of revivals, and dad asked me to come be his assistant pastor. And so I went there and then I married Paula and brought her to West Monroe as a new bride. And we were there for six and a half years at that point. Then we left and evangelized. We were, I, I was an, iten, a, an itinerant evangelist for four years. We traveled, travel trailer, had our two boys with us. And then at, it was at that point that we went to West Monroe, I'm sorry, to Winston-Salem, North Carolina to raise up a church there. Was that hard for you to leave your dad? Because a lot of people would say stability your your family is now rooted in West Monroe. You work alongside your dad. I got the privilege of working in a secular business alongside of my dad the last 10 months of his life. And for me, that was the, the greatest job I ever had because I spent every day for three months with my dad. What was that like for you leaving the stability, the security, the, you know, hey, you know, my, my dad's here, you know, I you know, my protect, you're a father of grown boys with grown, with nearly grown grandkids. You always protect your kids. I don't care how old they are. You, you always want to protect your kids. Was, was it a, was it a leap of faith for you and Paula? Were there times that you were scared? Take me through that trans. I, I'm interested in that, that transition specifically, Mark, because they're, 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 I, I know I'm kind of putting myself in, in your shoes in that, in that moment in time, I would have to think there's great comfort and stability in just staying right where you're at instead of quote unquote, leaving the nest. 
Well, I will say this, uh, Brian. It was a wonderful thing working with my dad. Uh, he poured so much into me. I, I, I learned so much. At the same time, he was a very tough taskmaster on me, uh, which was good for me. Yeah. Uh, he told me when I went to work for him, here's what he said. He said, Mark, he said, I didn't know Jesus. I didn't know God. I just, I, I, I got, he got the Holy Ghost when he was 21 years old, knew nothing about God at that wow. point. So he said, I raised myself up, pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. And he said, it was just Jesus in me. And he said, now, you know, he said, uh, you've got, I've got some connections, but he said, Mark, I'm going to tell you, you've been raised in this thing. So I'm going to make sure if you come to work for me, I'm going to make sure that you know how to sacrifice. And Brian, when I got my first paycheck, I knew he meant business. Yeah. Because yeah. it was a little bitty check. Yeah. And that did not change over the years. And, and so at that point, I, had, I felt like maybe that was God's way of pushing me out because there were some things along those lines that I just felt like it was time that, that I get out on my own. And so, so I talked to dad about it and, and then Paul and I struck out and it was definitely a walk of faith. Uh, and, and we, we didn't have anywhere to go. Uh, we had been to on our first missions trip, uh, to, to, uh, Haiti, the Dominican Republic and, uh, Puerto Rico. And when I came home, I resigned. I felt like I'd heard from God there. So dad argued with me a little bit. And when he saw I had my mind made up, he said, well, uh, J.W. Harrell called. He wants you to come preach for him. And, uh, and that was the only place I had to go. And I had one more man that I knew I could call. And so I had those two places to go and didn't have anywhere else to go. Preached there. And that led up to our general conference, went to our general conference. These two pastors went to conference talking about the greatest revival they'd ever had. Wow. And they said it was with us. And I had at that conference, it was a miracle. I had 42 invitations at that conference. And that kicked off our evangelistic ministry. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. You know dreams are powerful pieces of intentional encouragement. We all have them. If you're a business owner, you've probably always dreamed of taking your sales to levels you've never seen before. I've got a guy that can help you with that. His name is Brad Norwood. My good buddy Brad has been on the Intentional Encourager podcast as a guest before, and he is a dream specialist. His company, Dream It Pro, offers incentive packages to travel to places such as the Masters, Kentucky Derby, the Super Bowl, even exotic places that you've always wanted to take your team, but you just didn't know how to do it. Brad's your guy. And oh, by the way, Brad's a certified bucket list coach, so he can help your team members achieve their personal dreams as well. I want you to go to www.dreamitpro.com and find out more or call him directly at 479-466-6907. And by the way, tell him you heard it on the Intentional Encourage podcast. Let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourage podcast. Now, you eventually go back to West Monroe. I'll kind of fast forward this for for our folks. You eventually go back to West Monroe. Did you yes. take over as pastor of the church that your father pastored? I did. I went back. When Dad was considering retiring, he called me. 
and he said, Mark, he said, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of looking at a target date to retire. And he said, the church, talk to the church board and the church would really like for you and Paula to come back home and be pastor if y'all would consider it. Uh, we prayed about it, felt good about it, and the church elected us. And uh, then we had the transition and, uh, and dad handed the church off to us. I would be remiss. You and I spoke a couple of weeks ago on the phone, and what a great conversation we had. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about the impact that you had ecumenically with other ministers of other denominal faiths. And I hate to say faith because there's one faith. The Bible says right. one Lord, one faith, one baptism. But you, you as a United Pentecostal church minister, had had developed great relationships. We mentioned our friend Al Robertson in the first part yes. of this Church of Christ minister. I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about the 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 ministry group, the ecumenical, because you guys built tremendous unity among all denominations in the city of West Monroe. Talk for a couple of minutes about that, if you would. Yes, and, and it turned out to be a great thing. Uh, Al Robertson at the time was the pastor of the White's Ferry Road Church Christ. I was the pastor of the Pentecostal of the Twin Cities. Whitty Hood, who was the president of Washtenaw Independent Bank, called us, called several of us pastors, and uh, the ACLU had brought a lawsuit against the West Monroe High School for prayer in public school. They were praying on Monday mornings over the public address system. So Whitty said... I'd like to get a lot of you pastors together in our bank boardroom just for prayer. Let's pray about this lawsuit. So we gathered together. We prayed. We even had a big rally on Super Bowl Sunday uh, afternoon. We had a big rally at the West Monroe High School football field. Uh, we brought in Madeline Murray O'Hare's uh, son, who was a Christian. She was the one that led the charge against Christianity, against the Bible. And uh, her son was a Christian. He came in to speak. And uh, the newspaper said and the media said we had 15,000 people at the high school uh, football field uh, that afternoon. So it turned out fabulous. We lost the lawsuit ultimately. But us pastors decided, hey, let's continue praying. So we kept meeting together. and. and all types of denominations, and we became very good friends, but there were two things that we said we can agree on. We all come from different directions and, and different beliefs, but there's two things. Number one, the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and number two, prayer over our community, and so they're still meeting today. Pastor Jason Ramsey, who is who assisted us as our executive pastor for between six and a half and seven years, then was elected by 98% as the pastor of our church, still prays with these pastors today. We prayed for years, uh, the first several years at our church. Today we pray at a Baptist church, but uh, it, it's, a, it's a great thing. And then we also have business leaders come in and pray with us. We work for, with everybody in the community. I work with elected officials, still do that. Pastor Jason Ramsey does that. And uh, it's just a great thing. And just another thing that I do, 
many, many years ago, Coach Don Shouse, Hall of Fame, uh, Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame coach, prolific coach, asked me uh, to chaplain, help chaplain his football team, Western Ohio High School football team. Brian, I prayed about it for five seconds and accepted. And uh, so <laughs> I still, I'm going into my 16th season now uh, as, as chaplain of that team. And I chaplain that team along with a Baptist pastor. And uh, I speak to that team on Fridays at 2.30, their pregame meals at 2.45. But I want to affect those young men. And I've seen many miracles among them. Well, and it's generational now, Mark, because you're probably seeing now boys that 16 years ago, you probably had their daddies that were seniors in high school. Yep. And now all of a sudden, it's coming full circle. And again, that's what encouragement does. It always comes full circle. You yes. can't give it without getting it. I wish we had a lot more time to get into things. Just very quickly, Mark, if you would, I know I asked you about encouragement to, to leaders and business leaders. I want you to speak encouragement to ministers and pastors, if you would, right now, just for a moment. Well, I know that this has been a very tough season for all ministers and pastors. Uh, this coming through COVID 2020 changed the game and, and things are still not the same that they were. And, and, and so we have found a new normal, but Jesus Christ has never let us down. And I have seen churches, pastors, ministers, evangelists literally thrive during this season. And so wherever you are right now, wherever you are in ministry, wherever you are with a church, you're pastoring, people you're leading, God is leading, guiding, and directing you. And so I just want to encourage you that he knows exactly where you are and that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I want to remind us all, as Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And Paul also said, I'm not going to look behind me. Whatever there is there, I am going to press forwards towards the prize and the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And so I just want to thank God for you, let you know that I'm praying for you, that I believe in you, and that God's got you. Man, what powerful intentional encouragement. Mark Foster, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Again, you are you are a hero. My original intentional encourager is with the Lord, but I'm so thankful that you have stepped in in a large manner and filled that void, and you've done it for so many people. Thank you for joining me, my friend, on the Intentional Encourager podcast. It's been my honor, Brian, and I thank God for you and the great work you do.
My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.